Basically, go through the end of Hawkeye and the end of Spider-Man. Not really. Because <laughs> we saw, we all saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Is that what it's called? Is that That's what, what it's called. called. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we all enjoyed it, I think. Tune well, in to find out. We about. shall see. <laughs> But first, we have Jen. Hi. We have Ryan. Hello. And we have Kevin. I am here. So uh, I guess uh, we should do, uh, you guys might not be aware of this, but uh, I figured I'd throw it out as a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, We've got two sets of congratulations uh, to go to uh, people who have been on our show. Uh, the the first is uh, Nathan Quarry, former UFC fighter and uh, comic book writer, has a new baby that apparently got born on an off ramp. <laughs> they didn't quite make oh, it to the hospital. So, th- th- congratulations to Mr. Quarry, and uh, congratulations also go out to former guest Heather Antos, who was. Uh, this morning, it was announced that she is now a senior editor at IDW. So. Oh, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah, I like Heather a lot. Yes. Heather, Heather's been, uh, is really nice and has been pretty cool about uh, when I've been on panels with her. And uh, for joining our uh, silly show to talk about really bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know I want to have her on again at some point so uh, maybe maybe we will or maybe she's now going to be too high up there for us to talk to so (laughs) so Ryan do you have any news for this week Uh, I thought we weren't doing any news so I didn't look at any news (laughs) <laughs> I know. That's why I threw it at you. Okay, so I got some news then. Apparently, there's oh, a report that, uh, uh, that we're going to be getting more Batman Michael Keaton. Apparently, he's going to be playing Batman in the upcoming HBO Max uh, Batgirl movie. Ooh, take that. Really? Ah. Interesting. <laughs> now, do you think we'll get Alicia Silverstone back as an alternate Batgirl? No. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think they're going to be going the uh, the the No Way Home uh, route with their Bat universe. I think the most Bats we're going to get we're going to get will be Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck and the new guy. But I don't think the new guy is going to be on the, in the same movie as the other two old older guys. There was one report I saw something that somebody asked somebody 
uh, would, um, oh my God, what's his name? Um, one of the other Batman, uh, George Clooney, would he be reprising his role as Batman in the upcoming Flashpoint movie? I'm guessing the answer was a resounding no. I don't know. I didn't bother clicking on the link. I just saw the headline saying, is George Clooney in the in Flashpoint? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't That's know. I, I, I'd be kind of surprised if he is. Because oh, he is... Uh, He's been very candid about how he feels he destroyed the Batman franchise. So, it wasn't his fault. It was no. Joel Schumacher's fault. fault. <laughs> <laughs> and got anything else? Uh, news-wise? Uh, nope, that's all I've got. Well, okay. Brent, there uh, was the, that... The, um, there was that um, message from Brian Bendis you sent uh, you you shared with us the other day about the fact that he may be working on a live action Legion of Superheroes TV show. Uh, see, I wasn't sure if it was live or animated, but he it is says working on one. In the article. Oh, I thought it said live yeah. action because we've oh, already done an animated no. Legion series. It said that it was going to be an adult animated cartoon. Adult animated. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I now, love the by Legion. adult. That could just even be like, is that what they consider Young Justice? Or, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Could be. Yeah, well, adult might be just like not constrained to children. Okay. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. like that like it's ain't go it's not gonna be like hardcore alien sex in it or anything. But like just they <laughs> they won't necessarily worry about like what you would be worrying about if the cartoon was on like Saturday morning. Yeah. Mm. You know, they may not get as violent as invincible, but they may say like shit or something like that. I don't need the Legion to swear. Shit's not a swear. Bumblebee or is it Bumblebee or was it, uh, uh was it Dan? No, not Daniel. I'm on. It's Spike. It's Spike. Spike says shit. Oh, shit. What are we going to do now? That's it. When Unicron attacks. That I don't and know. Optimus Prime dies in the same movie, scarring a whole generation of children. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be any of that. It just means they don't have to worry about that. Or like what we what are restrictions given TV in terms of violence or like just stupid things? Yeah. Like, you know, like it's it, once you label it as like kind of an adult program, then you don't have to worry about that stuff and just kind of make the best show that you can make. Yeah. And then the, you know, maybe it's also, then the audience doesn't think, Oh, it's just a toy commercial. True. There is that. I don't know. I'm like I say though. I I just love the Legion so much, and uh, the last Legion TV series. I didn't think it was bad. It was fun. Uh, that one, and, uh, yeah, that was uh, shit. That had a, a young super Superman, right? Superboy. Yes. Yeah. And they then there was a the clone one Superboy too for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's one back. I think that that was airing back when all those lawsuits were still going on. Perhaps. Yeah. But uh, 
I don't love, I mean, in that statement, Bendis said that he loves the Legion and I don't doubt that lots of, lots of creators, my age and older love the Legion. I don't love what he did with the Legion in his run on that book, but, uh, I don't know. I've been rereading some vintage 1970s Legion stuff lately, and I still love it. Nice. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, like, he even states it, because this was released uh, via his newsletter this week. He even states it's real early going. Oh, like, yeah. Really yeah. early. Like, the, this could fall apart at any minute. Well, I liked his comparison where he said that he was going to be working on this. Oh, just like he says he's leaving one of the books he's writing, but then he's also, you know, he said he was leaving Superman and he's still writing Superman, even though he's they announced he was leaving Superman like something like six months ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's Justice League he's leaving again or something. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His time at DC hasn't been as notable as his time at Marvel. And I'm not sure why that is. Is he being constrained? Is he working on projects the general fandom doesn't care about that much? What do you think? Um, I don't know. It's like Bendis is obviously a very talented writer. Um, it's... Even like his his sort of end of his tenure at Marvel wasn't like it, it just kind of sort of petered out, you know. There True. was no sort of like real good big bang to the the last stories or anything like that. Um, but like you can't deny what the guy has created over the years either. Like you know, Miles Morales is a, a Bendis creation. Yeah, the, that's true. Uh, uh, um, no, Echo's not. I was gonna say Echo is too, but no, she's not. <laughs> that's a that's a David Mack uh, Joe Kazada creation, yeah. I think, with probably our friend Jimmy Palmiotti in there for good measure. That almost sounds like a segue, Brent. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got one more news item that popped up today that's a little bit interesting and crosses over. Uh, one of our other sort of podcasts that we have on our sort of kind of network. It was announced today that there is going to be a one shot of uh, Thunderbird from the X-Men. Thunderbird is uh, the brother to Warpath. He is a native American X-Men character. And most famously, he's one of the few X-Men that's like kind of stayed dead over the years. He died in the, he died in giant size X-Men and like, they've never really brought him back. They gave him a brother. That's very similar character, but not the, the same one. Well, uh, apparently in the trial of Magneto this week, uh, the, the, what they're calling the, the, uh, uh, Krayoka, uh, protocols where they bring back the dead X-Men when they die and stuff like that, yep. they can now bring, they have magic now. So they can now bring back the ones who died before the island was set up, Ooh. including uh, John Proudstar. Mm. So he's getting a one shot. But here's the interesting part is it's being co-written by Steve Orlando, who is uh, one of Marvel's kind of go to writers right now. 
And uh, pro wrestler from AEW, Nyla Rose, is going to be uh, one of the co-writers on it. And she has uh, Native American ancestry. And First Nations artist David Cutler is doing all the artwork for it. And uh, it looks pretty cool. I'm kind of curious to see what they do with it. Hmm, Sounds like an interesting project. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, neat. I, I see uh, his brother Warpath is one of my favorite characters because he was in the, the Liefeld run of Xbox. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a figure of him. And if things go well, I'm almost done that team in action figure form. Ooh. Who are you missing now? Uh, I'm still I'm missing the uh, Richter from that period. And uh, the the comic book domino and they put them out in a three pack that I ordered via our friend Nathan from uh Hasbro Plus a while ago, but apparently it has shipped and it might be here on Friday. Oh nice. Yeah. So from uh one Marvel thing to two Marvel things. See there's your segue. Oh, okay, Merry thank Marvel you. Christmas. <laughs> Let's uh uh, let's start with Hawkeye going to Spider-Man and, uh, we might have a little bit of a bonus round after it. Uh, Hawkeye finished this week of, uh, our recording, mm-hmm. uh, pretty solid finish leaving the way for, uh, definitely more to come. I would say. I agree. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I like the, really like the last episode. It really, it really brought the whole show together for me. Uh, not that I didn't like it, and uh, but it wasn't one of the higher ranked um, shows for me until that last episode. It oh, just, okay. Yeah. I think this is now topped my list. I think it's my favorite show oh. of the Marvel shows. Interesting. I may have to uh, debate you for that. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, right. You know, but you know, going into it, I knew I, I I hoped I would. I knew I would if they, my as my thoughts were, if they at least use some elements from that run of Hawkeye that we thought they were going to be using as inspiration, which they did use as inspiration. Uh, that I knew I would like it, and I did like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think the the use of Echo's been interesting, and I'm very curious to see what they do with her series. Yes. Yeah. Now, did they? Did I miss it in one of the flashbacks? Um, how did she lose her leg, or her foot at least? They didn't cover it. Uh, that, it that's not part of the story so far. Okay, it's, I just uh, wanted to make sure it wasn't something I might have missed because, you know, I might most of my viewings have been uh, early mor- morning, getting ready for work. So I'm still like, you know, making my breakfast and lunch as I'm watching. So there mm. were the odd time where I would have my back to the screen because I was you know, looking in the fridge. <laughs> so I may so have the missed in- something. Yeah, so the interesting thing is is uh, that's not a CGI thing. That's like her real missing leg, apparently. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the, it's uh, they cast a deaf actor first, and it was a deaf actor who is... Uh, I don't know why. I looked her up. She hasn't done many things so there's not a huge amount of info on her that i could find at the time but yeah that was one of the things i'm like because when i saw her in the the first 
uh, scene where Echo appears, she's missing a leg. And I'm like, I don't remember the comic character missing a leg. Not that it really matters, but I'm like, I'm curious where they're going with this. And then I looked up the actress and they're like, oh, she's missing a leg in real life. I'm, I'm curious how they're going to write that into her backstory or if they even bother. Maybe it's just a thing. Yeah. But, uh, yep. And uh, per the the episode before, we got a full introduction to the MCU version of Kingpin, mm-hmm. who is played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who inhabited the role before in the Netflix Daredevil series. Yes. Now, do we think this is the same Daredevil? Certainly the same Kingpin as appeared on Daredevil? Or uh, we're just using the same actor? Does this I, tie Daredevil to the MCU is what I'm asking, basically. Well, th- uh, that's a whole conversation to go with our next review segment, too. So hmm. um, I would say that it is... A kingpin played by the same actor that's mm-hmm. very close in character, but not quite. Right. He was a little um, goofier. Well, not goofier, more comic booky in Hawkeye than he was in the Netflix series. Oh, like, yes. Netflix version is very grounded in reality. Yeah, my thoughts are that, you know, yeah, if anything, it's... Uh... Like the the Netflix ones are variants, right? It's part of the multiverse. Yeah, it's not yeah. the main this universe, whatever you want to call it, the MCU, right. the six one six. Yeah, it's just that the Netflix is adjacent, right? <laughs> it's they the don't want to write it out five. completely. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to write it out completely, but now that they've established a multiverse, they're like, great, we can tuck it into that. Exactly. That's that's my thought. Yeah. There'll be a few things like that. that we, you know, uh, getting into a, you know, later on in the episode, we finally find out who the watch belongs to. Mm-hmm. And our speculation that, you know, Hawkeye's wife was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, well, is pretty much bang on, because it you know, it's her mm-hmm. shield. It's pretty much it's her shield watch mm-hmm. with her, with her agent number on it, which happens to coincide with Mockingbird in the comics, who was his uh, an on again, off again love interest of Hawkeye's. But oh, I didn't uh, see an agent number on it. Yeah, I just a saw the. There was a nineteen. Oh. Yeah. Uh, under at the oh, bottom of okay. the watch, under the shield symbol, like uh, below it. I just saw the shield symbol. Yeah, well, exactly. It was I had to. I saw it in a photo online because yeah, one of the first oh, the first okay. viewing I didn't see it either. Because you just you're like, oh my god, that's a shield. So you're not looking and seeing. Oh wait, there's a number there. But that's uh, good. I'm glad that they're giving her more of a backstory than just Hawkeye's wife that he hid from everybody for a long time. Yeah, but if she is Agent Nineteen and she was supposed to be Mockingbird, we already had a Mockingbird. Uh, whose name was Bo- you know, Bobby? Which did, what's his wife's name in this? Laura. I'm Laura. Okay, Laura. So like we had Bobby now, and we had Mo- as Mockingbird in Shield. So once there's another thing that makes Shield not continuity. So yeah, but here's yeah here throws uh, yeah, uh, another thing for you. Okay. Is I was reading up and I had kind of forgotten about this a little bit, 
But uh, Laura uh, Barton did exist before, just not in the main MCU. Apparently, she was the wife of Hawkeye in the Ultimates universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and Ooh. really, the uh, the MCU Hawkeye is based on the Ultimates Hawkeye more than yeah. the, the 616 Hawkeye. Yes, very much so. So, but also another possibility is that, you know, um, Bobby Morse on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. could have picked up the mantle of Mockingbird after Laura resigned yep. and retired to, um, mm-hmm. to to raise Clint's children. True. Yep. So, yeah, uh, um, you can still justify it, but it's very obvious that that Marvel um Marvel Productions is f- sort of phasing out their connections to that show and yeah. all the TV shows that aired on ABC. Yeah, well, I would go further is it's anything that wasn't Marvel Studios is now being rendered not canon. Is it's Agents of Shield, it's the Netflix shows, uh it's uh Runaways, they're they're all going into their own pocket dimensions. Yeah. Use comic book terminology. And they aren't connected to the MCU on a whole. But if they like certain people and certain things from it, they will pull them in. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which. But I mean, that's also pull... that's also kind of good. Oh. No, go I'm ahead. Say go that, ahead. That's also kind of good for uh, for those shows. If they continue, they don't have to worry about the continuity of the MCU. If they want to continue, they can just yeah. do their own thing. It, it's very much like the the Hulk is like a pretty good example of that is the first movie. Exactly. The second movie is on the basis that there was a Hulk movie. Just nobody ever saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and even now the Mark Ruffalo one, while it, it, the, uh, the Edward Norton one is largely Canon and has good chunks of it as Canon they will reserve the right to change things as they see fit going forward. Like, hence why Abomination now looks a bit different than he did the last time we saw him. Right. And stuff like that. And, uh, and you know, it's just the way it goes. I'm just happy that, like, some of these actors are getting chances to keep going. The, uh... Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio loved playing the Kingpin. It's obvious from his social media and everything over the last couple of years that he really wanted to give it another go. And at the same time, I think this is going to give him something a little different to play with. Assuming he's still alive. Oh, I think he's still alive. That's true. Yep, we didn't see a body, so... Nope. She could and have just even shot in, the so gun in the air beside him. Echo, yeah. So when Echo was introduced in the comics, her story, like her basic storyline, is very similar. At the end of her first real storyline, she finds out that the Kingpin had her dad killed or killed him himself. I can't remember which it is. And you see her use a gun, but uh, I can't remember how she does it. He um, Kingpin is blinded by her for like and is blind for an like I want to say like a year or two, maybe even longer in the comics. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, she's done something like that to him again and he's still alive. Or, as uh, Ryan suggested while we were watching wrestling the other night, uh, might have deafened her. Or him, rather. I think that was Either way, I don't think he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, probably not dead. Especially uh, given uh, what we're going to discuss next, or part of the discussion, uh, we also saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes, we did. Uh, and well, are, we done, are we done with Hawkeye? Because we haven't even touched on Kate and her family and her mom and the swordsman. Yeah. Or, we, yeah. or, or the... Oh, uh, I don't yeah, want to spoil everything, but we can, we can still talk about it if you want. If there, that was a if pretty quick, yep, about. it was good. Yeah, I was going to say, geez. <laughs> well, we, we, we do have a, a fair amount to cover, but no, okay, go ahead. Well, we have all night to talk. People, people <laughs> will listen. Uh-huh. I did want to say that I like the fact that uh it was so i like the way that it was revealed that jack really was just a patsy that uh, he had no idea what yeah. he was in i was so happy he wasn't the bad guy yeah i love him he's, he's so great so goofy and um yeah a guy with a mustache a sword and a smile that's what you need right yeah and, but, I love you know, how- they did- oh, go ahead Oh, I was going to say, I love how, you know, he's just like wearing a sword for no reason. And then all this shit happens and he's like, huh, well, might as well fight. <laughs> and Kate's to the LARPer. She's like, um, he's on our side and just runs off. And I loved he's his happily... show. <laughs> his showdown with like 10 year old Armand the seventh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really I, yeah. love the comedy in this show. It had a lot of good comedic moments. The owl and the shrunken uh, truck. <laughs> yes. That was That's, awesome. What do we do about them now? I don't know. I'll have to ask. <laughs> Yoink. Well, that happened. <laughs> it's kind of gruesome to think that those guys just got eaten by an owl. Well, yeah, not necessarily. They were in a car. The owl has to get to them first. <sighs> and they have and- tiny little guns, I guess. I guess so. And I also really love the friendship between uh, Yelena and Kate. Like, I love their whole fight where at the end they're complimenting each other and Kate's like, stop making me like you. Yeah. Because I really want to see them both in, uh, I guess, Young Avengers. Mm. And I think that the two of them as the new Hawkeye and Black Widow is, is a really good kind of pairing. Like, they play off each other really well and they have a good dynamic, so... I, I really like them already. Yeah. I hope they're in the other stuff. Oh, I, I'm sure they will have run-ins with each other again. And I hope they end up being BFFs. <laughs> Marvel is great at scenes in elevators. Yes. <laughs> when she takes her jacket off, it's like, did you mean to do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> When she, when Kate slapped Yelena, yeah, what was I, that? I thought, oh, uh, Kate's just, Kate's just lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's just been playing with her this whole time, and you finally slipped one past her, and now she's pissed. No. <laughs> and this is why I really like their dynamic because I'm like, I think Yelena really wants a friend and can see one in Kate, even yeah. though they're kind of opposed at this particular moment. Like she could have killed Kate at 
any time, like in her apartment, on the street, in the elevator. But I think she really likes Kate and wants that opportunity for them to be friends. So like the no hard feelings, let's let's go out and do something after I kill Clint, which is awesome. (laughs) I almost (laughs) thought we might have seen Yelena in the last scene at Clint's house for Christmas with Kate, too. But uh, I guess we couldn't go that far. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that might be one step too far. She doesn't get the yeah. Christmas invite yet. But that was such a nice scene where Kate or Clint's trying to explain to her what happened to Natasha. Yeah, and he can't really be like, "So we went to this planet. We went and first we went uh, back in time. Yeah, through the, to get through a magical stone universe. to stop the alien that was attacking the Earth, like." I love how he's like, you're not going to believe me, but just this is the truth part of it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, it was so sweet. We were stopped so, by so a dead Nazi who told us yeah. that one of us had to sacrifice ourselves. Yeah. Well, he one didn't of, know that. But I love that, that he managed to. Yeah. Right, he managed he was... to make her sacrifice real, even though it was in a really kind of strange circumstance. Yeah. Like he still made it have meaning and 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 value i mean of course it did but without explaining all the weirdness he still made it very he went on he said i lost she beat me i tried to sacrifice myself but she stopped me and did it herself like it was supposed to be me and i love that they had that connection like oh she talked about you all the time Mm -hmm. i'm like oh so cute and like hawkeye took like a shit kicking because he knew that like she wasn't evil. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. Like one of his punches. He's like not really trying to, to, to hurt her because yeah, he knows it's he's trying to talk to her. He like, to her. I don't know if he would have been able to defeat her just because of her training, but I mean, they would have been more evenly matched and he would have been able to hurt her, but he didn't because he's trying to make amends with what happened to Natasha too. Yeah. And mm. his own grief. And I was like, it was such a heartfelt, touching scene. Mm. Right after the owl. Why <laughs> needs those guys? <laughs> I, I will give this to the, the series. It really n- knew how to balance the comedy with the, the seriousness. Yeah. And like the, the girl who's playing Kate is awesome. Oh, she's, yeah. She's, she's just so good. Mm. Yeah. Haley, the, whatever the LARPers. Yeah. The LARPers. Yeah. Going, no one's paying attention to us. No one's taking us seriously. Let's put on our costumes and then they'll take us yeah. seriously. Yeah. Let's put on our police or fire uniforms. Let's put on our <laughs> LARPing costumes. Yeah. You know what I feel was the one missed comedic moment with that, though? What's that? Is when they come out of the hotel, that's when they should have played the Avengers theme. Maybe that takes the joke too far, but that's what I would have done. Yeah. I do like that a few of them that they did get a few good punches in too. Yeah. Like the big guy stopped the one, you know, they just kind of just the body block, and then the, the, the one woman got like a clothesline in and and the of the, the many and many that. and many bros that kept coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all the trick arrows. That was fun. Yeah. And I was like, of course, Clint knows how to make all his own trick arrows. He was doing this stuff before the Avengers. 
but I love how he like just didn't tell Kate until the end. He's like, oh yeah, totally. That's uh, that that was Stark. I have no idea. Okay, we need them now. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's he says, such a he's such a good dad for the Avengers. I love it. Yeah, and then when he, when he finally talks to her, it's like you're we're, you're my partner. We're partners. Just like aww. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I, even though I was skipping ahead to Spider-Man quickly, I, I do have one question to throw out there concerning uh, Hawkeye. And this goes to our uh, resident expert on staged musicals. <laughs> the uh, the post credit scene. Oh, uh, what did you think there, Kevin? Um, it it. Really, uh, it really solidified the fact that Rogers the musical is terrible. Um, <laughs> it was, it you know, it that embodied the worst of musical theater. Like uh, that was oh, bad, yeah, was, uh, hilariously it was so bad. bad. It was good. <laughs> and the fact that every single person on that stage is a Broadway performer, um, mm. like they hired real Broadway performers to do that is great. The guy conducting who they kept cutting to when in the, in the video was the composer of the song, Mark Shaman. Oh, okay. I, I kind of figured so. he must've had a connection cause they kept like focusing on him. You know? Yeah. Uh, he, he wrote that thing, um, <laughs> but he's also a writer of many other musicals as well. So uh, the man, the man knows what he's doing and, and he set out to write a song from a, a bad song from a bad musical and he succeeded. Yeah, because that, that's totally the punchline of the thing, is that everybody is like, oh, this Avengers musical, Rogers the musical is so awesome, but it's really terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was Hilarious. Good. I liked it. I, quite, I would honestly, even though it's bad, I would probably still go see Rogers the musical knowing it's bad, just because then it would be funny. <laughs> As someone who's toying with the idea of buying tickets to go and see the Harry Potter play, um, yeah, I'd probably go see an Avengers musical too. <laughs> Apparently, you know, do you remember back in the 80s, there were ads in Marvel Comics for a Captain America musical that they were casting? It never I, happened. I had forgotten about that until uh, one of the news websites brought that up. I think it may have been comic book resources. And I totally remembered it when I when they brought it up. It was like, yeah. oh, yeah, there was, it was like a full page ad. Yes. Yes, it was like the back cover. You, we're we're looking for a girl between like nine and fourteen to play Cap's sidekick in the new Captain America Broadway musical that we're writing. I don't know whatever happened to that project. I'm surprised it hasn't been resurrected um, in light of uh, the popularity of the MCU. So, well, yeah, sometimes bad is just so bad that you can't do that. <laughs> and, and the whole uh, maybe the whole debacle with the Spider-Man musical oh, could be holding yeah. people off on that too. Um, yeah, as for the Captain America musical, I believe it it wasn't ever fully staged. They did do some kind of like preview stuff in order to try and get investors to to put money into it. I'm just trying to find somebody did like a full article on it the other day. Um, the bad guy in it was a, uh, it, so here's where like 
things get sort of meta weird is the bad guy in it was supposed to be played by uh, the dude who played the sheriff in Blazing Saddles. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, Broadway stage actor John Callum was cast as uh, as John Rogers. For some reason, they changed his name from Steve. Cleavon Little was cast as Vilnius Cosmetics Tycoon Jay Peters. The interesting thing about that is, like, later on, Captain, like, Captain America and Marvel would be bought out by a cosmetics giant. <laughs> and that's where the musical so, died. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. The... The, uh... The musical was reported at f- the budget for it was four million dollars at the time, and this was in 1985. Uh, they did a series of one-off performances in the New York area to drum up funds, but did not succeed. And that's when the show died. Uh, one of these days, still- uh, if if we ever get a, a website or a Patreon up and running again. I really want to write an article about failed superhero musicals because there's also a Batman one that never happened. There but is a Superman right one there. that did make it to Broadway. Yeah, and that's why the Captain America one was even considered at the time because they're like, hey, Superman can do it. We can do it with the Captain America. It didn't run very long at all. And there no, is a but- terrible television production of it that you can watch if you look for it on i think i watched it on youtube it's called it's a bird it's a plane it's superman yeah the uh the the batman one came about after 89 batman that doesn't surprise me yeah okay but here's where it gets kind of cool and wacky the uh, guy who wrote songs for it, and you can find them because they ended up on other people's albums, is the guy who wrote all of Meatloaf's Spets material. Oh. Jim Steinman. Who, quite frankly, if anybody was going to write a Batman musical, like the music to a Batman musical, especially that, that like Tim Burton one, Oh, he's like perfect for that. Wow, this segue took a like a real yeah. weird left <laughs> turn. <laughs> um, can we talk about Spider Man now? Yes, let's talk. Let about me Spider-Man. start. You really with... want to talk about Spider Man, huh? Okay, <laughs> let me start I, with. Let's in... go with spoilers. There will be spoilers. Lots and lots of spoilers. Okay. Okay. Continue, okay. Ryan. Thank you. Uh, now, in keeping with Rogers the musical, there are many billboards for that musical scene uh, while Spider-Man is swinging around New York in the opening of the movie. This is true. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> so it's either the 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 coming soon poster uh, billboards, or it's been up uh, and running for a good year or so by the time Clint sees it. Because mm. Hawkeye was what two years after the snap, yeah, and uh, the return and Spider Man. We know that this one is starts off well, you know, kind of picks up with the last one, so it's just after not a little more than a year. 
Yeah, I'm not sure where the timeline, how the timeline fits together now with the two of these things. Yeah, it's. I'm really hoping Marvel puts out because they've done it before. I really hope they put out an image that is the chronology of the all where all the movies fit soon, because I'm I'm having right. a hard time because some of them are close to one another, but like Shang Chi or uh, Shang Chi, for instance, is kind of in this nebulous spot where we like we know it's after everybody came back. And, like, we know it's before certain things and after things, but we don't know exactly where it fits. Right. Um, Like, like Wong being, like, now this movie brings in the question, what's going on with Wong in Shang-Chi a little bit? Like, is he Sorcerer Supreme at that point, too? Well, I believe so, because I will... From the comments Steve Stephen makes, it's you know you're gone for five years, you know. So he you know so he got it during the snap. Only makes sense. And they needed a new yeah. sorcerer supreme. Okay, fair enough. Why like, is he being involved in like pit fighting? And <laughs> that's a good because maybe that's maybe he was doing that before he was sorcerer supreme. So <laughs> just because so, I'm sorcerer supreme doesn't mean I can't have fun. I found. Space.com had Marvel movies in order and I won't go through all of them because there's a jillion of them but it goes Infinity War, Endgame, then Spider-Man Far From Home, then Shang-Chi and then Eternals Okay According to this website Okay, yeah, so that means this the, website is, but. It would be Far From Home and then No Way Home because they, they like run butt right into one another Yeah, so Far From Home, then No Way Home then Shang-Chi. Um, so according to Collider, um, <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home takes place in November 2024. Jeez. All right. So let's get into. Um, <laughs> OK, let's talk about the. The fact that like so. All of the actors from the other movies that were involved with this. We knew that pretty much there there wasn't a cameo we didn't see coming, I think, right? Uh, you're talking about the lawyer scene? The Well, yeah, let's... Uh, <laughs> so Daredevil, well, that Matt Murdock appears... I was very happy because I, I really liked him as Daredevil. And I'm yeah. very glad that, much like Vincent D'Onofrio, he seems to have a real love for the character and i'm glad he's it looks like he's going to get another crack at it and that was a good scene for him too like you it it told you like he it identified that he has some sort of supernatural ability without revealing who he is so it it really like just left it open for anything a daredevil movie or cameo or whatever they want to do origin story and it was a good it was a good gag yeah. Yes, a very good gag. <laughs> the rock coming through. The, what you need is a really good lawyer. Brick comes through the window, catches it without even looking at. How did you do that? I'm a very good lawyer. <laughs> um, beyond that, when we get into the meat and potatoes, uh, both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in this movie, to the surprise of no one. Did your audiences go wild when those guys showed up on screen? Yes. Yeah, a little bit. 
Which on the one hand, I'm like, okay, I get it. It's fun. They're always excited. But on the other hand, I was like, shut up. I want to hear what they say. Don't don't keep yelling. Yeah, that's true. Did it take anybody a minute to figure out that it was uh, it was Andrew Garfield in the, the suit when they do the first one? I wasn't sure which sure which Spider-Man it was. I did like it was sort of an homage to the Spider-Man No More cover, that classic yeah, Ditko the alley. cover, the alleyway and the um but uh yeah, I, I wasn't sure which which guy it was uh at first. I I was kind of uh, I like how they shot that scene cuz he's he's far enough in the frame that it could be Holland, and then when he starts coming closer, like, oh, that's that's a much taller dude. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. a big guy on a hole. Like, oh, sweet, this is where the fun starts. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly really liked how they integrated all the Peter Parkers and how they used it as an opportunity for, like, not only just Spider-Man therapy, which was important to all three of them, but also for their comedic action. Like, they, they were able to get some pretty good little comedy bits out of it too with all of them like i've never worked as a team before i have listen to me yeah. you're spider-man two one you're spider-man two all right fine i'm three like things like that it was really good but i also loved that um they didn't try to de-age toby Maguire or no. andrew garfield so obviously this peter parker has gone through uh, everything from the three movies and has like lived on and has aged and i love that he was able to kind of come back as like old man spider-man and and like be the the mentor to mm-hmm. tom holland spider-man and be like look these are the regrets i had in my life i'm you i know you feel the same way and you know it was really that whole part made me cry <laughs> when they were on the roof of the school and they were all talking about their regrets and the you know the things that they did um swapping uncle ben uh, stories how, yeah and how you know, it was they were able to take their experience to try to make this other version of themselves, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, you know, not go down the same path as them, even though it's a similar path. And I really loved that. And it made me cry. <laughs> I love so good. So well that, written. And I love, too, that yeah, the that um, that Garfield and Maguire were supporting characters. They didn't take over yes. the movie from Holland. This is still a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. They were there to support him. It is Tom. It is, it is the MCU Peter Parker's story. And um, who, who really knew like when, it, when you look at this movie overall, it's an origin story. And who would have thought we would get a Spider-Man origin story like this is what the eighth Spider-Man film, you know, this is, this is the, uh, the first MCU Spider-Man origin story. Yeah. He's been Spider-Man for years, but there's never been an uncle Ben in the MCU. So the great power, great responsibility stuff fell to may and losing may a character that we've grown to know and love over all three of these movies was a gut punch. And oh God. Yeah. And, um, you know, this was the movie where our Peter that we've been following since Civil War 
stepped up and really, really became a hero. I'm not saying that he wasn't yeah. in in Homecoming or Far From Home uh, or even uh, Endgame for that matter. But this is the movie where Peter decides I need to be the person the I need to be the hero that I have to be. And it, and uh, it, May's death spurred him on to that. Yeah, yeah he think- finally has to shoulder the responsibility that he has now with that with this great power, right? So. Exactly. Up to this up to this point he's almost been like a hero in training. Like, you know, he was being mentored by Iron Man. He was yeah. just kind of going with the flow. He's never really had to deal with the consequences completely on his own. Right. And this was the movie where he chose to do that. And you know, <laughs> even if at the, when he put Doctor Strange at odds with him, he still followed his heart, and it's such a Peter Parker ending, and it made me so upset. Because right. <laughs> I'm like, I knew this. Like, I'm not upset with the with how they did it. They did it wonderfully. It just every time Peter Parker has this kind of a Peter Parker ending, it makes me sad because it hurts yeah. my heart. Because I want yeah. happy things for him because he's such a cute kid. Yeah. <laughs> no, agreed. Agreed. The first time we saw this Peter. He was recruited by Tony to be a soldier against Captain America, right? So Mm -hmm. he's never been a solo hero. uh, And this really was him stepping up. Um, In in both of the last two Spider-Man movies, he had Tony there. Like, Tony gave him a high-tech suit. He's back to being um, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man who sewed a costume in his one-room apartment uh, all, all by which himself. I love the new colors. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that blue just pops. Yeah, and I f- I also feel like he's reached that point where, you know, like before he had all the supports, he had the Avengers, he had Tony, he had MJ and Ned, and mm. now he is at the part where he's like, I could include them in my life again, but it will only hurt them. So he's really kind of set himself down this very lonely road. And again, yeah. it makes my heart hurt because I love Peter Parker. Yeah. Now, but it also Spider-Man really makes the... me want to see where it's going to go. Yeah. And you can still have the backup of other Avengers and stuff because they still know that they worked with Spider-Man. Right. They just don't know who this Peter Parker person is. Yeah. Right. But who's left for him to go to? Really? He's not really close to any of the other Avengers. No. And after what happened in this movie, I doubt he's going to talk to. He's going to ask Doctor Strange again. The only person I could think of in the MCU who he might be able to go to is Pepper. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but she wouldn't know him. She knew though that she would know that Tony worked with Spider-Man. Yeah. Now apparently there was a whole scene with uh, the young uh, young actress that played Tony's daughter in Endgame. Oh, uh, apparently there was yeah. a scene that they filmed with her that got cut. Hmm. hmm. See, that and... makes me so sad too, because it's like Peter had like I'm I'm assuming that after Tony's death that he still ended up having a connection with Tony's daughter and and Pepper. And like, oh, that's gone. Mm. So sad. Now, uh, I, I think it's safe to say we all enjoyed this movie. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 
So a couple of questions arise, and I'm going to throw them all out to you guys. Question number one, do you think this is the end of Tom Holland's Spidey? No. I hope not. No. Beyond, uh, we know he has one more MCU appearance. We know that for sure. We do? Yes. uh, The the Sony people or one of the executive producers mentioned basically... um, the the MCU Sony uh, agreement for the last little while has been uh, kind of a tit for tat situation. Okay. We you borrow one of ours, we get to borrow one of yours, and it, he says due to that sort of math, there uh, the MCU is owed another Spidey appearance by Tom Holland. And so I read somewhere else that like he does have one more in his contract in terms of those kind of appearances. And now granted this could be in Doctor Strange. Didn't the head of Sony say that they were working on a new Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy? Which she walked back a week later. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think it, uh, I think in, she says a lot of things and then Kevin Feige gives her a call and says, "You should not have said that." Yeah. And and in that case, I my guess is uh, there is a deal being worked upon. Yeah. Doesn't mean that anybody signed on to it. Right. Yet. I mean, I don't know what the deal Sony has with the MCU, but I feel like the MCU is still a golden goose, and they would be stupid to walk away from it. Personally, right. yeah. At least until things start to go down, and then maybe they they would back away. But they also might be trying to tie spider-man into the venom and morbius universe so that they could be like hey everybody loves spider-man maybe if we throw them in these movies they'll love these movies right i hope they don't do it because it's just going to make us all hate spider-man well see that's the thing so now with what they did with venom in in this spider-man movie they sent him back to his universe so he's not in the mcu other than that little bit of groove for Ooh, we may play yeah. with this later, kids. Yeah. Uh, Thank you teaser, for explaining right? that to Brent so he could explain it to me because I was very confused by that scene. So yeah. there's now a Venom symbiote yeah. in the MCU. Yes. Or at least a, I mean, a, a, a bit of a goo. So now, if that's I have, the only connection that the two have, I'll be happy because I don't really want the two to meet. I have not watched either of the Venom films. I watched one of them. The the post credit scene in Venom Two. Was Eddie Brock flashing to the MCU, wasn't it? Yes. So the post credit scene is it starts off with the two of the with well with Eddie and, and the symbiote sitting in like this broken down hotel, you know, side of the road like motel type place. Um and there's kind of talking, shooting the shit, and the symbiote's talking about how it knows things like the multiverse and you know and it's like all this stuff. Because it's a symbiote, oh, it's an alien. That's how they get around. And it starts to say that, and as they they talk, and you know they're talking, then all of a sudden the world around them changes. Kind of like how the world changed when they showed uh, Yelena come back from being blipped, and they, they you know the the paint in the bed the bedroom changed and everything like, everything yeah. around her changed. It was very similar to that, except not as like folded over. It's just all of a sudden it's just kind of like a, in a wave, and then it's like now they're sitting in a nicer kind of like resort hotel room, and the TV changes, and they're watching the news broadcast of JJ outing Peter. 
Right. And, oh, okay. And so that was Soviet, after they got blipped. Yeah. So after they've been blipped, after they've arrived in this okay, universe, good. they're seeing a news story. So because you know the news story kept going after the spell, so the, you know that it wouldn't wasn't the original story because the spell wouldn't have happened yet. But one of the re- multiple replayings of the story or of him saying that he's you know that you know he's Peter Parker, public enemy number one. And the the symbiote like goes close to the television and like is like looking at it and like licks the television screen right kind of like ooh interesting like so it brings up the question of well does the symbiote know have some kind of multiversal connection to other symbiotes that may have had a connection to a Peter Parker Spider Man because then that's also why did they get blipped over because. Yeah. They don't, they don't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, other than I guess the symbiote technically would, maybe you could make right. that argument. And then yeah, that's, that's why that's, at the end yeah. of the movie, Eddie's kind of like getting this. So tell me, he's like, explain this to me again. And he's like, so, and then they're going to all those, you know, the stuff, the Hulk. And he's like, and you thought that the, the name, whatever the hell name, Venton keeps wanting to call them, like the night event, you know, night. Yeah, whatever. I forget what it's called now. Uh, you thought that was a stupid name and. And then they get blipped away as part of the spell. But a little bit of but, symbiote yeah. gets left on the countertop. Okay, now, that makes so much more sense now. Because I did not see Venom 2, nor do I have any desire to. Yeah. <laughs> now, this this also brings up like a crap ton of other questions that I'm sure may or may not be solved at a later date. So... Venom exists in the same universe as Morbius, right? Or at least that's what we assume so far. We are led to believe that, yes. Yes. But he doesn't exist in the same universe as Tom Holland. Like as the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Agreed. No. So who is the Spider-Man in the poster in the Morbius trailer? In the, yeah, the the, uh, the graffiti on the wall? Good question. Yeah. Now we we have speculated Spider-Man. Yeah, we've speculated for a while that the suit that they show in that poster is the uh Toby Maguire suit. Like it's got it's got the more predominant web lines on it like how his was. Yep. So it, does he exist in the Toby Maguire verse? Which would make sense because there was a Venom there already is a Venom in that universe. Yeah, right? from mm-hmm. that third movie. So if Morbius making that comment about I'm Venom, and he'd be like, No, no, I'm kidding. I'm Doctor Morbius. No, that's fine because there's you know, so that one that would work. Now there's been all I kinds of so, Toby Maguire which universe. Brings up the be other question. With... Go ahead, Jen. Oh, I was going to say, I wonder if the Toby Maguire universe is going to be the the universe where they introduce Miles. And, and then Toby Maguire's mm. Peter Parker ends up being the old Peter Parker that trains him. Now that's so, that's a good idea. Now there's been a lot of people online uh, uh, petitioning or like crying for that Sony now to make Amazing Spider-Man three, and for Andrew to get his third Spider-Man movie, and then that one could tie, be part of that could be the Eddie Brock, like the the Venom, and let there be Carnage, Venom, like that movie verse, could mm-hmm. be the Andrew Garfield Spider Man movie verse. 
Possibly. Now, here's where we throw an even further monkey wrench into it. We know that Michael Keaton makes yeah. an appearance in Morbius. He uh. is the he is the vulture in the Tom Holland movies. Is he still playing the vulture? Is he playing a different character? Is he playing a different vulture? Could be. I guess. It could be a different vulture. He could be the vulture. You know, like, you said, like you said, if the say Morbius is the Toby universe or, or any other universe, he could just be the vulture from that universe as well. Right? Variants. Mm. There just happened to be a vulture. And he doesn't know who Spider Man is, and that's why he didn't get pulled into the other universe. Well, he already existed in that universe, so that's why, you know, they didn't bring another one in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, uh, if he's in the, if he was in the Andrew Garfield universe as the vulture, he's the vulture in that universe who doesn't know who Peter Parker is, so he did get pulled into the Tom Holland one because of that. There you go. I like it. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. So here is a question that has been, well... Um, a listener of ours named Jermaine Jones uh, posted up a, sort of a couple questions uh, to me on Twitter. And, and thank you for that, Jermaine. Uh, but I'm going to focus like here on I think this is sort of where you get a little bit of an answer to. Um, one, he basically asks, uh, have you seen one person give Sony credit for a great job? But if they hated it, Sony would get all the blame, which I, I think is very true. True. We yeah. like we all yeah. give most of the credit to Kevin Feige and the MCU team that obviously helped out with this movie. But Sony did follow it through. Uh, to answer Jermaine's question, at least in my mind, I think the fact that we have just spent the last five to ten minutes trying to figure out where the other movies in their so-called Spider-Verse fit in is the sort of the answer of why Sony doesn't get the credit and why they're getting the blame because that those movies, Feige and the MCU team have nothing to do with. And it's sort of, it seems from, at least from the outside, and I will give like, them the benefit of the doubt maybe they'll be able to pull it all together in kind of cohesive fashion but i think that's why nobody is giving sony the credit for this is it just looks like their spider-verse just looks like a mess from the outside with the shining example of their spider-man movies are good but seem so detached from everything else they're doing okay my my comment on that um when the Tobey Maguire movies came out and the Andrew Garfield movies came out, I think there wasn't really a concept of a cinematic universe, um, especially the Tobey Maguire movies. I'm not sure when the Andrew Garfield ones came out, so that could be incorrect. But basically what all we were working on back then were sequels. So there wasn't an idea of different genres and, or different movies all uniting together to make like a, a universe. It was just three Spider-Man movies. So I think that, and you maybe have had spinoffs, but they were only really tangentially related to other movies. And even then, that was pretty rare. Um, so I think, I don't think we can blame Sony too much for having a kind of, for not having a unified Spider-Verse vision based on 
Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and they're trying to just retcon it in now because they didn't have that concept back then. But um, the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie came out the same year as The Avengers. Yes, yeah, I wasn't sure about that. But also, if that's the same year The Avengers came out, they didn't have a whole lot of time to plan a universe. I think that was back when people were just like, crap, these movies, these this universe works. Let's just cobble stuff together. Yeah. Like, oh, the, sure. like the universal movie monsters and stuff like that. And they did, nobody really sat down and really thought it all the way through. Like I think Marvel has been, I assume Marvel has been. And no. that's really the reason why Marvel is working so much better than these other half-assed universes is because they seem to have a vision and a plan and they see it all the way through in every single movie. What I think those, these asking us in this question was more of a, why is Marvel getting all the credit for this this specifically this movie working and not Sony even though Sony has the rights to Spider-Man my thought is because the MCU team like you said Brent they're the ones this was a Marvel made movie where they licensed Spider-Man from Sony it's not a Sony made movie no it this is a Sony made movie it's not licensed that's the Sony ain't that dumb it's they well, have involved the MCU creative team as part of their creative team. At the end of the day, Sony's paying like most of the bills and is also like making the final decisions. If they suddenly wanted to say like, ah, Spider-Man, he loses an arm and an eye and now he's a pirate. Marvel can't do shit about it. Like Marvel and DC really can't say anything about it because it's due to the nature of the film deal that has been laid out before Sony. Like, you know, Sony got a sweetheart of a deal back when Marvel was bankrupt and they mm-hmm. ain't letting it go. No. Um, they have just wisely made a deal with Disney and Kevin Feige's team to help shepherd it along. But. The end of the day, the money and the main decisions go to yeah. Sony. So the, the mo- you're right. I forgot the money. Yes, but like you said, though, the creative was was Marvel based, was MCU based creative in this case, and like they said, they were smart enough to be like, let's roll with this. So if anything, Sony should be give, given credit for getting out of their own way, <laughs> and not yeah, and. Yeah, and and quite frankly, it's I I think like maybe that's a, exactly what you said because right now, um, the Venom movies aren't bad. Well, the first one was, and I still haven't seen the second one. Uh, I will eventually, I'm sure, when it shows up on one of my streaming services. Uh, they're having a little bit of a franchise comeback with the, we all loved Ghostbusters. Well, except for Kevin, I Hitler. haven't seen it yet, but you should. I plan to. <laughs> um, but they have had a number of fails in the last couple of years that, like, I feel a little bad because I wouldn't say any of them are horrific. But, like, Men in Black's a primary example. That's, that's a Sony franchise that they don't have to go to anybody about. And, like, they, they can do whatever they want with. But that last movie just sort of fizzled it wasn't it wasn't terrible movie by any stretch but just like nobody cared and that like between that and like 
21 Jump Street seems to be sort of dead on arrival at this point. They they don't have, other than Spider-Man, they really don't have anything going for them up until that Ghostbuster movie came out. Yep. So, I don't know if this answers your question, Jermaine, <laughs> but we used it as a jumping point for uh, for further discussion. And, mm-hmm. and like, to, to be fair, I think Sony probably deserves more credit than they're getting. But it, I think the reason why they're not getting it is because the, the, the messes that they're making in other projects right now, or <laughs> at least what seems to be messes. Yeah, they might be able to pull it off. Who they knows, just right? all they need to do now is establish a different Spider-Man in the, one in like Morbius, show a different Spider-Man than Tom Holland in that movie. And all and all this goes away. It's like, yep, that's the Spider-Man for the Sony movies. And then they can do whatever they want with him if they wanted to. Then they can introduce Miles. Yeah. yeah, everybody's in a hurry to get Miles in in the in the movies, even though we still have a young, you know, actor in Tom you know Tom Holland to be Spider-Man in the MCU. But everybody wants to bring Miles in too. So it's like, well, bring back Andrew or bring back Toby. And you maybe you you know you have your moment where Spider-Man falls in battle, and this other kid that's been bitten and was just kind of just like not really knowing what to do with himself steps up. Mm-hmm. There you go. You're welcome. I don't even <laughs> need the credit because it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, and like it, you can also like the the other thing I think people d- kind of don't realize is, and and I might take a little bit of heat from listeners, and I might take a little bit of heat from you guys, is uh, Into the Spider Verse is a Sony movie too. Yes, and it is. I would argue probably the best Spider Man movie they've made. I agree. Oh, it's up not there, that this sure. movie isn't great, but. Yeah, no, that's kind of the interesting thing about this movie is this movie is kind of based on two comic book storylines. One is the Spider-Verse one, which we saw, like, got turned into an excellent animated film. Mm-hmm. And the other is arguably, if it, I wouldn't say worst, because it's not a bad story, but it is definitely one of the most debated stories in Spider-Man comic history. Very of- controversial. Yeah, it really splits splits readers down the line. And but they made a really good movie out of it. And that storyline is since you haven't actually said it yet. Uh, one more day, right? Well, that one more day slash brand new day because one more day was technically just a, he was given one more day where both well, you know everything was still the same, and then it was snap the spell you know sell your soul to the devil. And now everybody forgets that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. And yeah. that was a brand new day. I'm glad he, they didn't sell, he didn't sell his soul to the devil in this one. Yeah. Well, he technically didn't sell his soul to the devil. He sold, he, he made a deal that he lost his marriage to, to Mary Jane. Um, but, and, and they would have forgot that they were married, but a little bit, piece of him would always would remember and would be suffering because of it um what's his name he who shall not be named 
Mephisto. That's a that's, that's a bad deal. You shouldn't have done that. Well, <laughs> it 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 uh, Aunt May was dying, and we all know that Peter will do anything for Aunt May, and mm-hmm. it was because everybody you know he outed himself in Civil War. Right. So this protected everybody. Uh, like it's a storyline that like the guy who wrote it doesn't like it. (laughs) So, because it was part of a mandate that came down that he had to sort of fit in. And J. Michael Straczynski is not a big fan of it. Well, that's when he stopped writing it was like, he went off the book at that point. Yeah. And then that's when they started doing the rotating team. And we started getting some some stories from Dan Slott, who then became the the Spider-Man guy for many years. Yeah. Yeah, so good movie. Now we come to something that was posed by Kevin. Mm. But uh, at the request of of Jen, we're going to split it into two categories. What? No. What what are we talking about? (laughs) Apples to apples. You got to compare apples to apples. I am. Everything is all connected. It's all connected. But one is TV and one is film. But it's all the MCU. Yes. So here is the compromise that I am proposing is we will put in order our favorite MCU movies of the year, including the Spider-Man films. You will also put in order your favorite MCU television projects of this year. Okay. And if you so choose after you do those lists, you can put the list together of your favorites, period. Okay, fine. If that's the way you want it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I used to write lists for a living. That would have given us three articles. Three columns, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you go first, Kevin? Okay. So in order from... Uh, I'm not, and I'm not saying any of these projects are bad because I really did enjoy all of the Marvel projects that I watched this year. But uh, so with that caveat out of the way, in order from uh, uh, leading up to my most favorite, we're going to start with movies. Is that what we're starting with? Go for it. Sure. Uh, number four would be Eternals. I just thought it was a bit long and. Um, it had too many characters and it was trying to introduce way too many ideas all at once. Uh, number three would be black widow. Um, I quite like the black widow movie and I'm f- happy that, uh, Scarlett Johansson finally got her own MCU film, but it seemed a bit like too little too late. Um, number two would be Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings, which was a movie I had no expectations whatsoever walking into and, uh, fell in love with. I thought it was fun and fresh and I loved the Asian flair of it. Um, so number two is, um, is Shang-Chi, which makes the number one, uh, film on my list, Spider-Man No Way Home, because again, it was just, Super fun in that sad sack Spider-Man kind of way. <laughs> Jen, are you prepared? Yep. Okay, go ahead. 
My list is the same. <laughs> yep, mine's the same too. For the movies, yeah, that's pretty much the order. Yep. Okay. It's hard to argue with it. Yep. Um, I would say I, the I, reason. Oh, I was going to say the reason I have Black Widow as number three though is is because of uh, Yelena. <laughs> I yeah. <love> her. <laughs> um, well, there were, there were only the, four movies, so yeah, something had to be number three. At the end of the day, I think Spider-Man is my, uh, much like you guys, my list is pretty much the same. Spider-Man is number one, but Shang-Chi is just under it. Like, it, because yeah. it was so, it was so different for the MCU, like, at that point. Like, it's a kung fu movie that just happens to be in the MCU. And yeah. it's so well put together and done. Um, yeah. I, and honestly, part of it might just be the my love of Spider-Man, the character, as opposed to the actual film. Yeah, it was a very close second for me, too. But because they can't both be first, they have it has to be second. <laughs> yeah. And and it also is a very, like I will say this now. You ask me for a year from now after I've seen uh, both films again or like in like a home viewing sense. Yeah, uh, that that may even change it. Wait, we, we shall see. Now for MCU television, what do you got, Kevin? Okay, number five. What if? Again, it just had the most weak episodes of any of the uh, MCU TV shows this year. The fact that it didn't really have a continuing storyline until we got to the end, and the fact that. I would there were nine episodes and over half of them were just depressing. Uh, it, it wasn't what I was looking for this year. Uh, that said, it was beautifully animated and gorgeous to look at. I just um, was glad when it was done. Uh, number four, Falcon and Winter Soldier. This this one, I think uh, there were pandemic issues with it and whole storylines had to be rearranged and cut and changed because of the situation uh, on earth as it is in reality. Um, so I don't bear it any ill will. I love the chemistry between Sam and Bucky, but um, the, the thing didn't hold together as cohesively as the next three uh, on my list. Uh, so number three is Hawkeye uh, fun. And uh, I, I, I liked that it had lower stakes, uh, I mean, it had very high personal stakes for Clint and and for Kate, but uh, it wasn't a we have to save the entire universe kind of story. It was a we have to uh, finish this so I can get home for Christmas. And that was a nice a nice change. Uh, number two for me was Loki. Uh, Loki. Loki sets the tone for what's going to happen in the MCU going forward. Um, I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki and his his. Um, his banter with both Sylvie and with um, with uh, the 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 guy from the uh, from the time v the TVA um, Owen Wilson Owen Wilson fantastic uh, and the fact that it it really was Kang uh, that sort of blew my mind which means my number one TV show of the year was the first MCU TV show which was WandaVision I love WandaVision so much it was just different and 
And I love the way they played with the concept of television itself. It was MCU TV. It really was television. And they used all the tropes of classic television to tell a really fabulous MCU story about grief. And um, uh, so that is why WandaVision is my number one TV show from the MCU this year. I'm sure other people's lists are quite different. Well, not quite different, but different. (coughs) So my number five is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, That side of Marvel's not really my cup of tea, like the Winter Soldier, Captain America. Those movies are probably my lower ranked ones, just because that's just not the part of the MCU I'm into. Uh, Four is What If. Um, For basically the same reason, although I really liked, even though it took them a while to get there, I really liked how they tied it all together. Um, I enjoyed the ending of that one. Except for I just still don't get how the Watcher cannot could not have seen that coming if his whole point is to watch things but anyway uh three so one two and three were tricky because these i loved all three of these shows and you know if i had to put them in an order this is the order i have to put them in but that doesn't mean that i did i disliked them they're very close yep so my number three is loki and i loved loki it it's such a good show and i loved owen wilson in it but my number two is WandaVision. Um, for all the reasons that you were saying, uh, Kevin, I loved how they were playing with, um, you know, they were playing with, with grief and how, how somebody with that kind of a power that's un- not understood and not un- not under control would deal with grief mm-hmm. and how it made her a bad guy, even though she wasn't trying to be a bad guy, but that's how she was coping and, you know, and I love, like you said before, how they were playing off of TV tropes and things like that. Um, and then my number one is Hawkeye. Um, Hawkeye's always been my favorite of the original Avengers. Uh, huh. I love I love that he's just the guy with the bow and arrow, and he's not a superhero. And I really love that um, he just kind of got, it felt like he just kind of got pulled into everything and was like, well... I guess I'm an Avenger now. I got to save the world. It's not like he was a god or an, a super brilliant inventor. Yeah, it, you know, he's just like, I got to do this. Um, so I really, I really like Hawkeye as as a character. So I was really excited about this show. And like you were saying, I really like that the show was about him trying to get home to his family, but he has such this sense of responsibility that he needs to make sure that everything's okay before he can. Because it would have been super easy for him to just be like, ha, they think she's Ronan now. Good. Yeah. They'll kill her and I can go home and done, done, done. Um, so I really like his character. And I love I love that he's the dad of the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> he's got the, like, long sighs and, you know, <sighs> stupid kids. Like, oh, that, that part when he's fighting, he has to fight the LARPer for the costume. He's like, I fought Thanos. <laughs> Yes. And now I have to lose to this guy in a park pretending to sword fight. So that's why that one's my favorite. I just really, I love the feel of that one. Yep. Ryan. Okay. So, yes. Uh, once again, like we all said, you know, I enjoyed all of these, but, you know, you asked me to put them in order. So here we go. Uh, what if is number five? Uh, uh, WandaVision's number four. 
Oh. Oh. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Winter Soldier's number number three, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America. Um, I guess I was really interested in, in that story and seeing how they were going to deal with, you know, how was Sam going to become Captain America and how they dealt with that. Uh, oh, hello? sorry, that was my that was my uh, text message. <laughs> <laughs> Or you're text- under attack, one or the it's other. Captain Picard uh, alerts me when I have a text message. I thought I turned that off. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and then you know, introducing U.S. Agent and his the portrayal, the portrayal of the, how that character was portrayed, and everything you know was good. Uh, Loki number two, and uh, you know, just loved the way you know it was fun, the way it played with the multiverse, the idea of variants, you know, and brought that all in. And then yeah, just Hawkeye's number one. You know, Yay. I just was trying to think of it as like, okay, of all of them, which one am I looking forward to more rewatching? Because I haven't rewatched any of them yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, well, which one would I be more likely to rewatch first if I didn't, you know, just rewatch them all in order or whatever? But I'd be more likely to rewatch Hawkeye, um, and that's just well, part of the, you know, the storyline was one that you know I would like I said earlier was they took parts from a a, a graphic novel from, from a story arc uh, in the the Hawkeye comic that I that I purchased that I really enjoyed, uh, and they took elements from that, and I just I liked the interplay between the two uh, Hawkeyes, and yeah, so that's why that one was my number one. Yep, I agree. So for me, um, I enjoy like I. If you go back and listen to our episodes, I loved all these shows. Mm-hmm. Like we all uh, do. What if was my my least favorite of the Marvel series? Um, except the the one thing that now is sort of kicking in a little bit is as we've seen from that trailer for. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the animated TV show is going to tie in with a live action movie, which is pretty interesting that they're 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 taking that step. Mm -hmm. Um, Overall, uh, I think Kevin's probably closest to the reason why I I didn't like it as much as the others. Um, They revealed the story at the end of it as opposed to like kind of giving you the whole thread all the way through. And it's uh, some of the, some of the episodes honestly are kind of duds to me, but the, there's some room to play with there. Um, Falcon and winter soldier is my number four. And I think for me, the, the main thing is, is I liked the characters more than I liked the, a majority of the story of the series. I liked the stuff that they did with Sam. A lot of the power broker flag smasher stuff, like I do like, but I'm like now is kind of like, eh, like I kind of wish they had focused more on Sam's story and um, his uh, story with, uh, oh, what's his name? Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of focused in on that a little bit more, but it's still a good show. And like, I really, really like the interplay between Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like those those guys obviously have really good chemistry uh, oh, as sure. actors with one another, and I think they're they're really awesome. 
this was this is where we started to get into sort of tough territory. Uh-huh. Uh I think my number three is Hawkeye. Oh, gasp. Yeah. Um it's I, not that it's not great. No, no I, I, I loved it. And it's bringing back, in at least some version, it's helping bring back Kingpin and Daredevil to my TV screen. And I love those guys in the Netflix show. And I've gone on record, Daredevil is one of my favorite Marvel characters, period. Uh-huh. So that's part of it. Um, it kind of... I almost think they should have left a couple threads going for a second season, but it's very possible they just don't know what they're doing yet, if they are doing a second season, all that sort of stuff. Uh, It kind of felt like it was wrapped really, really quickly. But other than that, like I I really enjoyed it. I think the, the comedy in that show is very well done. Like, the timing between... Everybody is just really good. Which brings us to the final two. And again, really hard. Loki is my number two. Um, I enjoyed it. I looked forward every week to seeing the episode. But I think what really comes down to is with WandaVision gave me something completely different. It, It was... Uh, I think it's movie Bob did a series of reviews on it where he basically related it to this is the MCU version of a David Lynch story. Like it's got some weirdness to it. It has a lot of drama. It had humor. It flipping from the different types of sitcom. Uh, modes throughout the decades was really really good and at the end of the day this is also going to be one of the ones that has like a major impact on the mcu like and one of the ones that we're going to see first so again i like them all but that those were my favorites that was exactly Uh, the same order as me yeah so now I will throw out there, we're not going to do like all 10 things or, or how many things there are. I've lost track. But if you would like to throw out your top three MCU projects of the year in order, you are welcome to. Okay. Uh, I have ranked my whole list. I can just read it quick from <laughs> nine to one. You ready? Right. Go for it. Okay. Yep. Nine, Eternals. Eight, What If. Seven, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Six, Black Widow. Five, Hawkeye. Four, Shang-Chi. Three, Loki. Two, WandaVision. One, Spider-Man No Way Home. Anybody else want to give it a crack? I mean, if we're going to do top three, I would guess it would be... Shang-Chi is three, Hawkeye is two, and Spider-Man is one. That's a pretty good list. Yeah. Hmm. Ryan? Oh, yeah, no, I think mine is... Oh, it's, it's hard to... 
Well, <laughs> Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's one, for sure. Yeah. But it's a toss-up for, for two and three between Shang-Chi and, and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. You know, it's recency biased for Hawkeye yeah. to be number two, but that's only because I also haven't rewatched Shang-Chi since I've, since I've seen it. Yeah, exactly. So, Same yeah. here. Those are my those, those would be my you know the it's Spider Man and those two. So <laughs> toss them up how you want them. I think for me it's Spider Man, Shang Chi, Wandavision, like Spider Man being number one, Wandavision, Hawkeye. Well, that's four, not three. Yeah, yeah. I, I went one more. <laughs> so sue me. <laughs> um, and, and it's been like, I think that like this is the, the the experimental phase. Like if you look at all of these, they're at least from one another. A lot of them are very different. Oh, look at all the different genres. Yeah. Like, like you it, get the magical stuff with the where they just, you know, they made it look like old sitcoms in one division. You had a spy slash adventure, whatever you want to say for Winter Soldier. Uh, Loki is another high concept, multiversal characters and story. Uh, you got the cartoons. Hawkeye is a nice, mm-hmm. uh, is a grounded, like street level adventure. Kung Fu movie, outer school, space people movie and a spider people movie. Like, we got everything this year. Yeah. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. even if you take a look at the movies, you have, a, like, a straight-up superhero thing with Spider-Man. You have, like, alien god, chariots of the god movies with Eternals. And you have a kung fu movie and, like, an, an action movie. Like, you, like you kind of can break them down that way. But we, we shall see where Marvel takes us next year mm. as this will be, this is our final episode of 2021. I believe, I believe it is. Uh, yep. So, um, which means this is also the final geek picks of 2021. Who would like to go first? Okay. I will. Um, so I'm going to actually pick something that I haven't actually watched yet. Uh, and, and that's because here's the thing last year, last year, um, on Christmas, uh, the streaming services released some stuff and that was how I spent some time when I got some time to myself over the holidays was watching, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 and, um, Disney Pixar's soul. Well, this year, the streaming services are up to it again, and I've got two movies coming out this weekend that I am so looking forward to watching. Um, One is The Suicide Squad. Um, It's going to be on Crave starting Christmas Eve, so I'm looking forward to watching that. And um, the other is on Disney+, and they are releasing their new animated film, Encanto, this weekend on Disney Plus. So Ooh, I want to see that. That is what I am looking forward to watching uh, over the course of this holiday weekend coming up. So I haven't actually watched them yet, but uh, they are coming up soon and I'm very excited to watch. Who's next? I'll go next. Uh, so this movie, I did happen to see it. I just recently watched it and I am going to recommend it. Uh, Matrix Resurrections. Oh, you've seen it already. I've seen it. Nice. 
Okay. Yes. Uh, and uh, it. <laughs> It does the that seems to be the thing lately. Uh, uh, the, you know, it, it tugs on the nostalgia. It uh, it doesn't ignore any of the movies from beforehand. Uh, kind of hits a few beats of the first movie as it's going along, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, if you liked, especially if you liked the Matrix and the whole <laughs> idea of the Matrix. Whether you know, you think what you want of the other two movies and the, of the sequels, but if you like the idea of the movie franchise, you know the movie as a whole or the franchise as a whole, you'll enjoy this movie. Okay, Jen. I don't really have a geek peek this week, so uh, I'm going to go Spider-Man. with the. Have you watched any good Christmas movies? Well, I just watched the Christmas movies that I usually watch, so. Yeah, I guess watch Muppets Family Christmas on YouTube. <laughs> watch out for the icy patch. But make sure it's the unedited version that has the Muppet Babies in it and Sesame Street. Otherwise, it's crap. <laughs> and, the and the Fraggles. And... and the Fraggles. And, yeah. Um, every that year I watch I... that movie and sing along. And I apologize to Brent afterwards because I'm like, I am going to recite this movie from memory. I've watched it practically every year since I was. Mm. When did it come out? Like. The... Early 80s? Yeah, so 80s? like my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so look up Muppets Family Christmas. Even though by the time this airs, Christmas will be over. Watch it anyway. It's awesome. <laughs> Alrighty, which leads to me and my pick. Um, I don't know how accessible my pick is going to be, but uh, my pick is the latest Grendel hardcover called Devil's Odyssey. It is a continuation of Matt Wagner's Grendel series, specifically uh, the Grendel Prime era Grendel. Uh, The the short form version is in the far-flung future. Uh, There is a religion kind of like thing known as Grendel that has taken over the planet. At this point, the planet is falling apart, and Grendel Prime, who is this badass cyborg, has to go into space to find a planet where they can repopulate humans, but do it in a way where we don't fuck up the planet. And uh, it's an interesting story from that point of view. I don't want to give too much more away. And Matt Wagner's art uh, is fantastic as always. His writing is still top notch. And uh, his son did all the coloring, uh, Brennan. And they work really, really well together. So can find it in hardcover from Dark Horse Comics. That's it for this episode. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about uh, some stuff. Year in review. Things. Pardon? Year in review. Uh, yeah, so, or something like it. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> in the meantime, I'll go around the table. Uh, Kevin, where can people find you beyond the show? Well, uh, you can find me on um, Galaxy Class, the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast from the United Federation of Podcasts Network. You can find me on Stage Whispers, the local theater podcast for people who like local live theater. And um, I just submitted my lines for Episode 7 of Endless Vigilance, a Star Trek fan audio drama. That should be coming out very soon, too. So you can find me there, too. So I'm all over your internets. 
Brian, tell us about your show about collecting toys and such. Ah, that would be Tales from the Collectiverse, uh, found here the third Thursday of every month. Uh, We just wrapped season one, and we'll be starting season two this January. And uh, I think the first episode we'll probably be doing, uh, well, I think we are doing uh, our kind of our top picks of 2021. So tune in for that. Uh, You can find Ed and I on uh, Instagram at Tales from Collectiverse. I've been posting up, uh, <laughs> I got a good deal on an old box of hockey cards, so I've been opening some of those and posting pictures as I go. I finally got a Wayne Gretzky that I was looking for, so I posted <laughs> that up tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. Sad thing is, uh, it's a good thing I, I didn't pay a lot for this box of hockey cards, because they're really not worth anything. Ah, well. <laughs> Except for the nostalgia. Uh, yeah, that's about it. What are you up to, Brent? <laughs> or Jen? Um, I'm not, not doing too much other than this podcast. Uh, I have another Instagram account called uh, Dolls and Ponies, um, where I post pictures of dolls and ponies and other toys that I collect, uh, inspired by the Tales from the Collectorverse, because that's all boys' toys, and I wanted to post stuff that's pink. <laughs> <laughs> and some other stuff, too. It's not all. It's just my collections, and... I'm hoping one day to get a, a photo box so that I can take some better quality pictures of some of my stuff because it seems to be dark here all the time when I'm not working. Um, but yeah, we'll see what Boxing Day brings us. <laughs> and Brent, what about you? For me, uh, I'm doing this show. If uh, you look around, you can find me on uh, episodes of Geek Card as well as I recently did an episode of Kruger Records for the guys over at the Composers podcast talking about Christmas stuff. So by the time this episode comes out, little dated. <laughs> I'm also uh, continuing my radio-like show at Black Donnelly Radio on Mixcloud. It's called The Dark Side. It's industrial, and it is goth, and it is dark, and sometimes weird. Um, the last episode that was posted before this podcast came out Again, uh, a bit of a Christmas episode, but I will be posting up at least one more after uh, this podcast comes out. And then I might be taking a break for a week or two to just sort of recharge the old batteries and come back and do some more fun musical stuff with the dark side. So that's it for this episode of True North Nerds. We will be back in two weeks with another episode of Nerdy Goodness. Until then, uh, we know that uh, that uh, dreaded variant numbers are rising. And uh, just, you know, stay safe, everybody. Be well if you can. Uh-huh. Happy New Year's. Bye. Ho, 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 ho. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, Please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us.
Jesus.